Hello, everyone. My name is Peter Dre, and I welcome you to the PwC Tax Byte podcast series. In this episode, we're going to talk about China, a very important topic for international business. And to talk about the topic, I invited two experts. First of all, I'm very honored to have Anita Peng with us. Anita is a tax partner in PwC China, and she's also China's consumer sector tax leader, and she's located in Shanghai. Welcome, Anita, to the podcast. Secondly, we have Alexis de Meijer. Alexis is China's business group leader for PwC Belgium and has many years of experience in the international trade and tax system of China. Welcome, both of you. Um, let's just kick off uh, immediately with this interesting topic. And first, Alexis, I want to ask you, why is it important that we have this podcast today on China's tax policy? Thank you, Peter. Uh, well, I think it is clear that the world of tax is of tax is very dynamic. So, with so many initiatives going on, uh, we are quite busy. So, the Biden administration uh, released its intentions, and it enabled to unlock quite difficult negotiations uh, at the OECD uh, on the taxation of the digital economy and the agreement of a global minimum tax for multinationals, uh, what we uh, often say pillar one and pillar two debates. Now. Uh, aside of the US, the EU is also moving eh, with ATA3, a quite a heavy tax transparency agenda, and many environmental taxes, including the Fit for 55 plan. So in this context, we cannot avoid asking ourselves, what about China? China is today the second largest economy in the world, but very soon and very likely it will be the first one. So I'm sure many of our listeners have a China presence. And China is clearly less vocal in these uh, international debates. But I also see that it is very clear that the Chinese government has a roadmap for taxation. And, and the 14th plan of the Communist Party, of the China Communist Party, uh, covering the period 21 to 25, is the roadmap. And I think we cannot disconnect the tax policy plans from other financial reforms. So yes, there are plans in terms of environmental taxation, in terms of stimulate the economies and, and, and specific industries like, uh, like uh, when uh, companies are deploying big data or integrate artificial intelligence in manufacturing and others. That's very clear. But in parallel, Peter, I think we also see some financial reforms um, coming. So we have the one on foreign exchange control. Uh, there was one on competition law enforcement. We have a new data protection law, new cybersecurity law, just to name a few. So the focus remains the GDP growth, but that tax policy must serve that purpose. So that's very clear. It should be focused on GDP growth in China. Thanks, Alexi. I think you made it very clear for the audience why it's such a relevant topic to think about this today. And I'm sure uh, a lot of listeners are also looking at China for expanding business and so on. So what I suggest, uh, Anita, Alexi, to, for the next uh, discussion that we split it up a little bit, that we first talk about China's inbound challenges, opportunities, and then uh, uh, the outbound situation. And so let's start with the inbound uh, situation, uh, Anita. And, and, and let me ask you, um, I think the 14th five-year plan is now uh, uh, available of the government. Uh, what are the key focus areas in that plan? Oh, thanks, Peter. I think in the 14th five-year plan, um, the government report uh, showing that the Chinese tax authority has extended a provincial policies 
to facilitate technical innovation, uh, IP localization, and advanced manufacturing industries. So, for example, uh, China originally allows for 75% of super deduction of R&D expenses. And now, the report is going to increase additional deductions to 100% for the R&D expenses incurred by the manufacturing enterprises. Also, China rolled out the refund region of VAT incremental credit balance for all industries, and it has certain criteria to fulfill, and also have VAT refund ratio. Uh, more VAT refund relaxation has been available for certain advanced manufacturing taxpayers, and the most importantly, the scope and definition of the advanced manufacturing industry may expand in the near future. So that these are, are the recent like um, government policies to encourage innovation and etc. Okay, thanks, Anita. Interesting uh, focus I see on technology innovation and IP. Uh, that's extremely interesting. If you would look at the the corporate tax landscape, um, do you see important trends coming coming to the business? Yes, for the corporate income tax, China has continuously improved tax administration to create a better environment for doing business in China. So the tax authority streamlines the procedure of enjoying preferential tax policies. Starting from this year, um, income tax preferential tax treatment is aimed to apply the concept of retain relevant documents for inspection instead of the historical record filing or pre-approval as requested by the tax authority in the past. So that means technically for any non-tax resident going to apply tax treaty benefit, you don't need to have a record filing anymore uh, gradually. So from technical perspective, that is a, a very good news. But of course, practically we do observe that uh, from prov one province to the other, there may some uh, difference, but it takes times for the authority to adapt. And also, um, regarding the current China Tax Authority, um, currently they use invoice to control the tax payment. And going forward, with the introduction of the electronic invoice in China, uh, tax authority will more encourage electronic filing and it will be more focusing on use big data, digitalization tool to prevent, monitor and control the tax payment. And we are now facing more self-assessment based on a risk factor identified by the tax authority in their golden tax systems. And we face more random audit based on industrial characters. And last but not least, from a tax policy perspective, currently companies in China overall have a heavy VAT burden and over 50% of tax collection for China tax authority is contributed by VAT. So the authority is looking at increase the tax contribution of direct tax and enhance the current direct tax system. And also in the meantime, is going to further improve the indirect tax systems, such as VAT, uh, VAT refund, as I mentioned, and also a reform of the consumption tax is in the way. Back to okay. you, Peter. 
Yeah, thanks, Anita. And and I think in every survey that we do uh, with businesses and clients, the indeed the administrative burden of doing business, uh, not not in respect of China, but in general, is one of the key points. So it's interesting to hear the about your uh, digitalization of tax administration and so on. Um, if we now look, Anita, at incentives uh, for developing activities in China, uh, are there any important incentives that that the audience should take into account? <laughs> Right. So um, China has offered uh, a lot of um, location-specific tax incentives, probably you already hear. Um, so we hear about Hainan, we hear about uh, West and Middle Area, and also Great Bay Area. The representative com- uh, locations could be Hengqing because it is recently announced a new regulation as well. And the Shanghai, Lingang area, and etc. But all these locations, they have um, um, specific encouraged industries. For example, uh, Lingang, it attracted biotech companies, semiconductors, and etc. And also other incentives could be available for industries that heavily affected by COVID-19, like uh, restaurant industries, travel industries, and also China government, they they are very helpful to support those small and medium-sized companies, uh, especially after the COVID. Okay. Um, that's also very good to keep in mind, of course, the incentives, because that, that helps, really helps to, to develop activities. Um, now, um, Anita, um, if we, if we look at, um, yeah, the pillar two, and, and actually as we are waiting, uh, as we, as, as we are recording this, this podcast, we are waiting for news for the inclusive framework, uh, on the, on the progress made on pillar two and pillar one. Um, Alexi already touched in the beginning of the podcast also on that point. Um, pillar two will have an important impact also in China, I think. W- what's your view on that? Sure. For Pillar 2, I think, um, like I mentioned, for companies, they they located in those special zones um, where preferential tax policy is available and the companies with high and new tax status or companies with software uh, status where the 15% tax rate applies and their effective tax rate may go lower than 15% if there are more incentives available, like R&D super deductions, like environmental related benefits, and etc. So this is something uh, we need to look into in the near future. And secondly, um, for a lot of companies invest in China or Chinese companies invest abroad, uh, normally they were using Hong Kong or Singapore as a first tier of their outbound investment as the intermediate holding companies. So similarly, the low tax rate might be challenged under Pillar 2. And we all know that in Hong Kong, they have offshore claim tax systems. So this kind of tax systems is only going to be challenged as well. So with the first tier SPVs, uh, their intra-group financing, licensing functions and investment holding functions have to be reviewed as well. So overall, China supports BEPS 2.0. While China still calls for a more respect to the jurisdiction sovereignty during the BEPS review and monitoring process. And given the nature of developing countries, um, more flexibility is also essential uh, for for, for them to play on the same uh, level field with the developed countries. 
And maybe uh, Anita, if I if I may chip in here, the you you indicate BEPS 2.0. We we of course talk about Pillar 2, but we should not forget Pillar 1. Um, and and it's true that Pillar 1 in China very likely uh, will will be less relevant uh, due to to the strict regulatory framework. There is a, a negative list system, uh, and and I already mentioned the cyber criminality data protection law, uh, just to name a few. So all this framework or this landscape makes a very difficult or impossible for a foreign company to to be in scope of pillar one in china so so very likely there uh, when we talk about inbound to china this is uh, less relevant but i don't know if you agree with me anita yeah i fully agree i think only for those like uh, giant chinese giant companies they have a more outbound investments could be relevant uh, for pillar one okay um Thanks, Alexianita. Um, that was already interesting and, and a lot of information for the inbound situation. Let's now turn a little bit to the outbound situation. Um, Alexi, with, with, with your day-to-day experience, uh, what are for you the main points in, in for outbound investors uh, in the European Union? Yeah. Thanks, Peter. You know, my experience shows that that the management of uh, many Chinese companies have have great experience in dealings and and managing their tax affairs overseas. And uh, there, there is somewhat a difference with the U.S. because the the U.S. and EU sometimes like, oh, EU is one country (laughs) because it's one region. But we cannot compare the U.S. and the EU. And and there are, I feel, uh, somewhat major differences between the U.S. and EU. And it's not about really the, the complexity of the taxation systems, uh, but more on the strategic strategic thinking, uh, because each EU member state has a different dynamic in terms of tax risk management, the way to engage, the way to collaborate. Uh, so just take the, this example. I think we all know that dealing with HMRC in the UK or with the Italian tax authorities, well, the dynamics are different and, and the challenges as well are different. Are different. So I think there the main challenges for in-house uh, tax professionals in Europe um, remain, one, the lack of stability in the tax climate, and two, the, the speed of adoption of new measures. And of course, both, well, actually the same challenge, huh? but if you just take at that one, at that two, DAX six, all the domestic uh, tax reforms, all the digital service taxes that were in the pipeline. Well, getting a clear avenue for for a sustainable tax strategy in Europe is uh, not an easy one. Clearly, it is a, a, a challenge. Now. We talk about BEPS 2.0, so so what about BEPS 2.0 for Chinese companies in Europe? Uh, with respect to Pillar 1, well, it seems very clear that the, the Chinese giants, uh, tech companies, or even not tech companies, will be impacted. And my experience with those is, is quite, they, have, they operate in a very centralized way, yeah? so a very centralized operating model. I, I still even see sometimes uh, um, agency models uh, in place to, to penetrate a EU market. So clearly the momentum is here to, to quantify the impact of Pillar 1, shortlist the number of options and see how do we address that in uh, the next five years plan. Now regarding Pillar 2, I think there the 
I expect that the main challenge uh, as of today, uh, actually, will be to see which jurisdiction will actually have the right to tax. Uh, because it's true that many Chinese companies or, or headquartered companies are actually not incorporated in China ultimately due to legal reasons. So if we just take like the, the Chinese CFC rule, uh, I don't think that China will take the lead in, in the taxation of its giants. Uh, I believe that China will be on that side more a follower in those OECD-led uh, initiatives. And as we saw, uh, uh, as we saw it already in the past, China will very likely deploy the, the reciprocity principle um, that we usually find in diplomatic rules. Huh? Uh, but here, if we look at the BEPS multilateral instrument, for instance, well, China was was very keen to apply it, but in a very reciprocal manner. So it is critical, uh, I feel, that the, the process for Chinese companies um, also need to look at how they can get a refund, a tax credit, a relief in China. Because, of course, if you get a taxation in Europe and if there is double taxation, you must obtain a relief or, or, or get access to a credit. And this is somewhat challenging uh, in the past. And we see it is the situation is better and better. But still, uh, there, there are things there to, to consider. I don't know, Anita, if you agree with, uh, me, with me on, on, on this China principle, but getting a refund is somewhat uh, always challenging. Uh, yeah, yes. In overall, China have CFC and China also have tax credit systems all in place legally. Uh, while in practice, it's because there's not much like a practical situations a lot of companies to apply so his, historically um, getting refund in China is not that easy and also China governments they they don't really like impose CFC so like so heavily and so closely but well with the launch of the pillar 2 um, uh, if there's a top of tax have to be paid in China definitely we, we need to see whether that China tax authority will review the CFC implementation process and also regarding the tax credit um, definitely they need to like uh, implement uh, a more friendly uh, credit systems for those uh, companies for the outbound investment mm. uh, clearly you, you see Peter that you have a, a, a tax which is certain in Europe but maybe a, a quite uncertain refund in China so clearly uh, uh, tax uncertainty I don't know Peter if I can still have one minute for a last challenge that I'm seeing Absolutely, Alexi. Go ahead. Because I, I mentioned in, in, in the intro, I, I think that the, the last challenge I see for Chinese companies uh, being active in Europe will be to, to address the transparency agenda. Um, so just take a, a, a good example. We all know, I think, the country-by-country country reporting. It was already a first global step. But now Europe is pushing it to the public. Uh, we'll have the public CBCR. It means that the CBCR report will be uh, published online and, and will be uh, under scrutiny of the public. So everybody will be see will be able to see um, uh, uh, the all, all very detailed way on on the, the tax affairs of also Chinese but also non Chinese companies, but there this is clearly a game changer. And and when I was talking about how fast policymakers are, well, taxpayers and advisors, um, well, they also need to be fast because we just finished digesting DAC six, but we know that the EU is working already on DAC seven and DAC eight. So you see that. The pace when I was talking about having a roadmap uh, as a business for the next uh, couple of years is a challenge, clearly.
Okay, thanks, Alexi and, and Anita, of course. Um, very useful insights i'm afraid we already got to the end of the podcast eh? that this is what we got time for in a minute i will ask you um your final uh, concluding thought like what would be your message to the audience uh, for people considering to invest in china or the other way around from from a tax perspective what would be your key message um and and perhaps let me start with you anita what would you what would be what would be your message Hi, I think it's a very difficult questions. Uh, I trying to um, answer in this way. I think um, in the past few months, uh, probably there were due to certain um, sudden regulations, uh, the, the investors in the capital market maybe a little bit, little bit um, scared or etc. But overall, I think China government they they are very interested in continuously uh, attract foreign investment. Um, that and also the overall investment envi environment in China is improving, not only from tax perspectives, but al also from foreign exchange um, and uh, local local government support perspective and etc. And just one important message is that um, uh, the investment in China. Uh, you should pay more special attention on the right industry and the right sector. For uh, for those right industry and the right sector, they were particularly welcomed by the local government and authorities. Yeah, thanks, back Anita. to you, Peter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. Clear message. And and you, Alexi, what would be your message? Um, well, to keep it very short, I would say for Chinese companies in Europe, uh, more challenges ahead compared to the past. I, I strongly believe that. For European companies in China, uh, from a tax policy perspective, tax management uh, perspective, I see a better landscape today. Uh, if you see all the, the surveys of doing and paying tax and doing business in China, we see that over the past years, the, 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 the landscape is better if we look at the, the, the tax point of view. So that's, uh, that's an important one. And lastly, um, I think from a tax policy perspective, uh, it is also important that the EU must uh, also consider not only the US, uh, but also look at China. Look at China and what uh, China is doing um, to, to also engage uh, much more on a bilateral way there. This is uh, also something, a game changer, uh, I feel. Okay. Thank you very much both for uh, for this. Yeah, very clear messages, very good insights. We're at the end of the podcast, so I would like to thank you for your uh, contribution and for participating, but also the audience for tuning in. And if you would like to stay up to date with the latest podcasts, you can always register for this podcast on Apple, Google or Spotify, or just monitor the PwC Belgium website. With that, I would thank you all for tuning in and hope to see you in the next podcast. Thank you. <music>